This is for you, Kings fans, wherever you may be. All the frustration and disappointment of the past is gone. The 45-year drought is over. The Los Angeles Kings are indeed the Kings of the National Hockey League. They are the 2012 Stanley Cup champions. What's going on, guys? Welcome to another post-game live in the 2023-24 season here on Dime Dropper, live from Los Angeles, as always. Before we get started, you already know the drill. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube and hit the notification bell so you know every single time I go live or post a video. And you can also listen to this on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and also follow your boy on social media at Twitter and Instagram and even TikTok, even though I'm not on that app enough. At Dime Dropper Pod. Tonight, we got two things to talk about. First, and sorry this is coming really late. I was really busy tonight. Um, but I'm still trying to get this live out for you Laker fans. So, here it is. Lakers, Mavericks, that's the only game we're going to be talking about tonight. Sorry to the Clipper fans that I did not go live last night. Just messed up my, my priorities and scheduling. And just could not get to watching the game on time. So... Apologies for that, but if you want my thoughts on the Clippers Thunder game from last night, you can find that on Locked On Clippers, where if you're, you know, if you love me, you should be subscribed to that channel. Even if you're not a Clipper fan, you should do it just to support your boy. But I get it if you want to be a petty little bitch and not do it. <laughs> All right, let's get into the game. After the game I talk about, I'm going to be talking Pascal Siakam's trade. That was huge news today in the NBA world. We got to talk about it. So let's start out with the Lakers. I missed the first quarter, and you know what? Midway through the fourth quarter, this game was in the refrigerator, as, they, as the great Chick Hearn used to say. I saw what I needed to see. The second quarter, the third quarter, and I did see all of the fourth, even though, as I said, not a lot of it was relevant. This was, in my opinion, the Lakers' best performance all around since the in-season tournament win against the Pacers. I think the game against New Orleans was probably their best performance of the season. But they were absolutely rolling on all cylinders in this game, but particularly in the second half. When I turned the game on, it was AD versus Luka. Luka was being guarded by Torian Prince a lot. He was getting whatever he wanted, as you would expect. But nobody else was hitting shots. Kyrie Irving wasn't hitting a shot. Tim Hardaway Jr. wasn't hitting a shot. And D'Lo and AD were leading the way. But at halftime, it was a two-point game, 55-53. The third quarter is really the only quarter that really is worth talking about tonight Lakers outscored Dallas 42-27 in that one but man the Lakers they looked like they had a big four tonight and you know what if you really go back to the playoffs that's kind of how we talked about this team D'Lo Reeves LeBron AD every single one of them could give you 20 points on any given night two of them should be giving you 25 plus and that's just showing how high we hold uh, the, the the standard how high the standard is that we hold LeBron to at this age. But he does average 25 points a game. So you expect to get around that number. And then D'Lo and Austin Reeves, any one of them could go off for 20. And now with this starting lineup of having D'Lo and Reeves back together with LeBron, AD, and Torian Prince. I know there's a lot of Laker fans out there that would rather have Vando taking Torian Prince's spot for that fifth and final spot to just have the same exact starting five that you had against or for the playoffs last year. And honestly, I'm not, I'm pretty indifferent on that. Obviously, I'm not a Laker fan, but I wouldn't, I think it would be good. But Torian Prince, I mean, he wasn't atrocious in this game. He he's asked to, he's taking the tough task of guarding Luka. And look, Luka still had 
33 points, 13 rebounds, and 10 assists on 50% shooting, 12 for 24. But he was 2 for 9 from 3. And I think the Lakers did a really, really good job contesting every 3 that... I mean, the Mavs still had their open ones, granted, and they missed. But the Lakers did a really good job of contesting all 3s that they could. Luka, Kyrie, and I got to say... This was a really good coaching performance by Darvin Ham, and I'm going to explain why. Torian, I mean, he wasn't nearly as good as Jared Vanderbilt, no doubt about that. But I don't want to. I don't think I should really criticize anyone in the Lakers too much tonight. I think they were really solid all the way across the board. But let me tell you what Darvin Ham did that I thought was so good. I thought the rotations were pretty solid in the sense that Jared Vanderbilt won. Got more minutes than we've seen in a lot of games this season. 26 minutes. So that was more than Torian Prince. And tonight's game warranted it. Vando was everywhere. And then you saw D'Lo and Austin Reeves just playing a lot more. And I think we got to look at what this team's roster really is. And maybe they're not the defensive team that we all thought they were going to be. And when you really look at their personnel, they don't actually have that many great defenders. A lot of it's Anthony Davis. <laughs> that just does everything defensively. This team, their third and fourth best players are Austin Reeves and D'Angelo Russell. And they need to maximize those guys. This might not be a very good defensive team. They might be average defensively. And they can be good a lot of nights. But they can be a lot better offensively. And I think that's what you can see with this lineup of having D'Lo and Austin Reeves. And one thing you'll see is that LeBron in the first half, he lets Austin Reeves and D'Lo, this is what he did in the playoffs last year, and I feel like just not having them, those three, starting together for a large stretch this season, they haven't been able to really go back to this, but LeBron was able to defer to D'Lo and Austin Reeves in the half court throughout the first half. And then in the second half, he becomes more ball dominant. He starts kind of playing LeBron ball where he's creating things. But he can conserve that energy and still be a better defender. And I think these last two games, you've seen that. You've seen LeBron be more alert, uh, rotating at the rim, and just sharper rebounding. But I think Darvin Ham, it's not just the rotations that I thought he did well with tonight. It's defensively, I thought the Lakers' scheme was pretty good. I think the last two games you've seen more of a willingness to switch AD onto ball handlers on the perimeter. And throughout the season, you're, you've seen a lot of AD drop coverage. But when you have AD switch onto the perimeter, we're not really worried about AD. If you're the Lakers, you're not worried about AD defensively. You're worried about who just switched onto who AD was guarding. Is that Reeves? Is that D'Lo? Can they guard a big? Derek Lively, he's a rim roller rim runner he's not a post up big right now and there's a lot of guys in the league a lot of bigs as i talked about is the nba getting better and better my ross but most important video i've ever made a lot of bigs nowadays don't know how to post and won't do can't pull it off at the nba level so if you have a big that can switch onto a guard i would take my chances switching that action and making them try to play post up basketball like back in the day you can't do it against guys like Jokic or Embiid. But against Derek Lively, Grant Williams at the four, you can do it. And you saw it with the Thunder game. Chet Holmgren, he's still really skinny. Lakers were willing to switch AD on SGA. The late switch, sometimes they start in drop coverage and then the point guard, SGA or Luka, they pulled it back out, AD's on him. 
locking up, contesting. He is everywhere. He is the best defender in the league. And right now, like the Lakers need to play better, get a better record, so everybody can see that this season, it seems like AD has really taken things personally. He is really, him him and Paul George both, for people that, you know, come at them a lot for being kind of the beta, I want. I don't like using that word, but they are at times. This season, they've both. I don't think Paul George has been the best part on his team, but Anthony Davis, he truly has. They've been getting closer to finding the best versions of themselves. Anthony Davis has been spectacular, both ends of the floor, and he's playing with an offensive aggression that we haven't seen since 2020. We saw it in the playoffs last year. Eh, no, I can't say that because the conference finals. But he's when you're forcing teams to double-team you, that's when you've really won as a one-on-one player. And AD, I think one of the first things that can help or has helped is that his jumper is kind of coming back. It's been really off. 2022 season, last season, outside the paint, he hasn't been that effective. But now it's starting to hit. He's starting to hit. He's starting to become more of a threat on that pick and pop, making guys step up on him. And I just like the way he's trying to get into the paint as much as he can. He's doing those spin moves that he loves to do. But he's really, and tonight was a prime example, going right at dude's chest, absorbing the contact, not playing soft at all, following up everything, being relentless in the paint, giving second, third efforts. This is what you want to see from your best player. And he is the best player. He's not the leader of this team, but to me he is. He needs to consistently do this and prove everyone that's agreeing with me on that take right. The 39-year-old should not be your best player if you want to win a championship. I don't care who he is. AD, this is really, really great what he's doing. LeBron James, though, in the second half, I think he really turned up the gas. He was impressive with his three-point shooting, with his shot-making overall one-on-one, with his passing. And I thought something that was very impressive in this game. Man, I keep forgetting this main point I was trying to make about Darvin Ham. He was not, we talked about in the Suns game, Lakers were just conceding Austin Reeves and D'Lo onto really good offensive players and not adjusting, not throwing a double, a hard double or anything. In this game, Darvin Ham was a lot more selective about who he switched on a Kyrie and Luka. And repeatedly, when you saw the Mavs be like, okay, I don't want to put AD in the action, so let's put one of their weaker guards in the action, Austin Reeves, D'Lo. They tried to put them in the action with Luka Luka as the ball handler, and they were hedging and recovering. And the Mavs did get a lot of open threes, but they weren't hitting. And that was the main key as well. Laker defense was great, but the Dallas Mavericks have two elite offensive players in Luka and Kyrie. Sometimes shots just are not going to fall. Tim Hardaway is a very hot and cold kind of player. So they weren't hitting shots. Do you have to give credit to the Lakers defense? Absolutely. But two things can be true in a game of this level of basketball players and I think also on the other side the Lakers were unconscious from three in the second half and it started with creating stops defensively and then playing a faster pace when you look at the Lakers personnel they don't really have players that want to play a fast pace open floor you know get it and go kind of game but it doesn't hurt to do it more than they're doing because they clearly have some skills there like D'Lo's pull-up shooting in transition is lethal especially when he starts hitting LeBron is a, a good pull-up shooter from three as well especially with the momentum going he hits those big lefuck you threes and all those and then you have Reeves 
who can get downhill. AD, if he can get out on the open floor and rim run, especially when he's switched. I think that's another pro of switching AD onto the perimeter. If he's contesting a three, he can get out on the, and run. And if LeBron gets that rebound, he can throw an outlet because he's a very good outlet passer. LeBron's just a great passer in general. All different kinds of passes. His passing versatility is very strong. Up there with anyone that's ever played, in my opinion. Uh, that nice magic-like pass. Let me just say this too. Glenn Rivers. I hate his voice still, but he does have great knowledge of basketball now and back in the day. He'd be a great guest on a podcast. I'm not going to lie. He has a lot of knowledge. Like He has a great historical... He's been around the game for so long. So I'll give him that. He's still the most overrated coach that's ever touched a basketball floor and the NBA level. but And I don't like his voice. I miss Jeff Van Gunny, Mark Jackson with Mike Breen. Say what you want about them. The chemistry was unmatched. Also, what's with the 5.30 start? What's with this ABC Wednesday thing? When did that start? It's ABC, I'm sorry, ESPN Wednesday. That's always been a thing. But ABC getting this special game, putting it at 5.30 local time. Do people understand how bad traffic is in Los Angeles on a 5.30 on a Wednesday? What the fuck are you doing? These people, I don't give a fuck about the East Coast people watching on their TVs. How much are they paying and being you know, inconvenienced to go to this game? These people are paying their good money to go to this expensive-ass event, event at the Laker game. We charge up the ass for tickets and stay in traffic. And you're putting the game at 5.30 to pander to East Coast pansies who can't stay up a couple hours later. Give me a break, dude. Stop. Dude. And Adam Silver, hit the can, brother. I can't stand that garbage. You got to the local. I know, you know, money runs the world. There's more people watching on TV. But come on, man. What about the local fans that are paying their good money to watch the game? Sally on the couch watching the Lakers in Baltimore. I mean, come on, dude. She came home from work and is watching the game. She might have had a hard day at work. What about the people that had a hard day at work and are going to this game and paying $200? Anyway, third quarter. Lakers creating stops, but also the Mavs just bricking. I want to give Austin Reeves a lot of credit. He was guarding Kyrie Irving a lot, and he was holding his own. I was so impressed. I was so impressed. He was moving his feet. I thought Kyrie bailed him out a lot, though, with a bunch of long, contested jump shots. Very disappointing from Kyrie Irving. But Reeves did a good job. I thought the hedging and recovering was strong. I thought LeBron's help defense was good. But Anthony Davis, he just throws everything out of whack. He Defensively. Like, he just is complete. He's a cheat code on defense. He has, like, a Bill Russell-like impact, dare I say. I've said that in the playoffs. Like, you're damn near affecting every single play down the floor defensively. It's amazing. LeBron, though, the way he was hitting in transition, going downhill, taking advantage of guys switching on him like Derek Lively, hit him with the downhill burst. LeBron was fantastic in the quarter, but I just couldn't believe the frequency in which the Lakers were hitting their threes. D'Angelo Russell, double drag with D'Lo at the controls, pick and roll with AD. He's such an underrated passer. He is a true dime dropper, D'Angelo Russell. The best version of this team is empowering and getting the most out of D'Lo, not less, not reducing his role because he's inconsistent. You're going to have to take the good and the bad with D'Angelo Russell, but the best version of this team comes with him playing well. And you need to play him and give him minutes to play well. There might be situations down the line in the playoffs if the Lakers are lucky enough to make it. I think they'll make it, but that D'Lo might just be played off the floor. It might be matchups where he's not hitting and defensively it's just too high a level of offense for him to stay on the floor. But... Throughout the regular season, and even matchups in the playoffs, like let's remember in the first two series, he was fine. He was actually good. He needs to be a big part of what this team does. 
And I thought in this game, in these last couple of games, he's shown why the Lakers re-signed him, what kind of player he still is. He's still in his he's in his prime right now. You need to be empowering him, not throwing him to the bench. That was weird. I don't I, I'm not super against the Austin Reeves on the bench thing. I thought he was very good tonight as well. But putting D'Lo and Austin Reeves on the bench to go with this like pseudo all defense lineup with like guys that are like overrated defensively right now. Nah, it's not the move. And Darvin Ham needs to stick with this shit now. He's done so much tinkering. Last year was tinkering Ty. Now it's tinkering Ham. He needs to stay with something. And speaking of something that's really working lately, Jared Vanderbilt. Getting back. If you watched the last episode of Basketball on Figueroa, which you all should every week, remember, Edwin is a Laker beat writer now. He's coming from the inside. He's giving you his insight on this channel all the time every week. So he was saying, you know, he thinks that Vando was on an unofficial minutes restriction. Well, whether he's right or wrong, I have no proof. He's been definitely playing more the last couple of games. Played 26 minutes in this game. He had seven points, nine rebounds, one assist, one steal. He was guarding Luka. He was guarding Kyrie. And I thought he did a really good job denying Kyrie Irving the ball several times in this game. He had that one steal he created where he threw the ball off of, I forget whose foot. I think it may have been Kleber in the backcourt. He was fantastic. And one thing that Glenn Rivers gave him credit for, and he's right about, when teams are loading up on LeBron or AD, he does a great job cutting middle and flashing. He just needs to be confident going up on that. He's very hesitant to shoot a lot of times, Vando. But, yeah, very solid performance from him. And that's really all I got. The Mavs were just off outside of Luka. Nobody could make shots. Tim Hardaway was broke. Kyrie was broke. And the Lakers were rolling on all cylinders. The pace, it'll be interesting to see what kind of pace they continue to play. I mean, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. They're going to definitely start pushing the pace more going forward. I just wonder if AD and LeBron can, you know, that's sustainable for them throughout the course of a season and then going into the playoffs. But it's definitely they got to push it more than they have. And it starts with getting stops. So Max Christie, there was a lineup with Max Christie and Vando in at the same time as D'Lo, I believe. And man, a lot of length out there. A lot of players trying hard and covering a lot of ground, swarming defensively. So... Yeah, great stuff. Great stuff. Lakers outscored them 42-27 in the third. They win the game 127-110. to That's now two in a row and two very good wins at the Staples Center against OKC and the Mavs. Let's read the lines. First for the Mavericks, uh, Dwight Powell played seven minutes and he had one point and four rebounds. No, no real impact for me. Jaden Hardy played 20 minutes. He had seven points on three for seven shooting. I didn't know they start Tim Hardaway Jr. now over Grant Williams, but I heard that Grant Williams just wasn't playing well enough lately. And one of these days, maybe Thursday, maybe. I doubt it, though. Probably not. Maybe this weekend. I don't know. I'll do with a halfway, you know, midway through the season thing. It might just have to come during All-Star Weekend where I talk about every team. But, yeah, Grant Williams going to the bench. I don't I don't mind it. He, he wasn't playing as good of defense as people think. He had... Eight points on two for six shooting. They were all threes. And then their starters. Yeah, Maxi Kleba had, what, five? That's foul. Six points. Nothing to say there. The starters, Derek Jones Jr. had eight points on three for three shooting and two for two from three. He was guarding LeBron a lot, mainly. Tim Hardaway Jr., 12 points on 5 for 17 shooting and 0 for 7 from 3. The Mavs shot 11 for 40 from 3 in this game. So, terrible. 46% on the field, but 27.5 from 3. 
Derek Lively, he had 16 points and 11 rebounds, five of those offensive rebounds. He's a great offensive rebounder. Eight for nine from the field. So he had a pretty solid game, at least offensively. And then you have Kyrie and Luka. Kyrie had 12 points, five rebounds, and six assists on four for 16 shooting and one for five from three. So 25% from the field and 20 from three and only three free throw attempts. Yeah, not a good performance by Kyrie at all. The Mavs turned the ball over 15 times in the game. The Lakers really took advantage of those. Luka, I already mentioned his triple-double earlier. So let's go to the Lakers to close this out. Rui Hachimura, he was a little quieter in my opinion. Six points, four boards on two for six shooting and one for four from three. So not the best shooting game for him. Christian Wood, he played 16 and a half minutes. He was wired for sound. I thought he was pretty quiet in the game. But it was pretty funny wired for sound. He was like, AD is doing a great job passing out of those double teams. And he really was. Two points for Wood on one for five shooting and 0 for three from deep. Max Christie, he only played 14 minutes. I think you would like to see him play a little more if you're a Laker fan because of his point of attack defense and the way he's been shooting. He had five points, two rebounds on two for two shooting, one for one from deep. Already mentioned Vando's seven points, nine rebounds. Then we have the starters. Torian Prince had nine points, one rebound, one assist. He was whatever. Three for eight from the field and 0 for three from deep. So he didn't really shoot well. Did guard Luka, though. Got to admire somebody that takes that assignment. Then you have the four. Let's start with Austin Reeves. Didn't shoot as much in this game, but very efficient. 14 points, three boards, seven assists, one steal. He did turn the ball over three times, though. Lakers turned the ball over 10 times overall, so not bad. Six for eight from the field, two for two from three, and a very rare game where Austin did not have a free throw. Wild. But 75% from the field and 100% from three. You'll take that all day. Austin Reeves, very solid season he's having. D'Angelo Russell. Man, 29 points. He led the Lakers in scoring. Four rebounds, three assists, only one turnover. 11 for 20 from the field. Five for seven from three. He was just unconscious. Pull up threes, off the catch, contested. No, I'm sorry, he had two free throw attempts, made them both. He was magnificent in this game. And then you have LeBron who really turned it on. Let me look at his second half stats because he was really all over the place in that half. 16 points, 6 rebounds, 5 assists, and a steal. But overall in the game, he had 25 points, 8 rebounds, 8 assists, 1 steal. He turned the ball over 3 times. He was 10 for 19 from the field and 3 for 7 from 3. So 2 straight really good performances by LeBron. Solid on both ends of the floor. And then AD, for me, the player of the game. So impactful on both ends. You can't name me 10 players that are playing better than him right now in the league this season. 28 points, 12 rebounds, 5 of those offensive, 9 assists, 1 assist away from a triple-double. Would have been nice to see for him because he doesn't get many triple-doubles. I don't know if he's ever gotten one. He probably has, though. 1 steal, 1 block. Mods, let me know if he has. 12 for 17 from the field. No 3-point attempts, which I don't mind at all. 4 for 5 from the line. I'd like to see that if you're a Laker fan. But yeah, 12 for 17 in 33 minutes, that's big time. Lakers shooting 54% from the field, 43% from three. That's fantastic, but 71% from the line. Probably want to do a little better there. 
Lakers win it 127 to 110. They're now back to 500 at 21 and 21. Let's see if they can develop a streak. They have to get something going. This idea that they can just walk into the playoffs no matter what seed they are might be good for one series. Not going to win a championship playing that way or doing that. So the Lakers know. You look at Laker championship teams. No team has been below the three and has won it all. I don't even know if a team has been below two and has won it all. But anyway, now we're going to move on to Pascal Siakam's trade to the Pacers. We got a fact check, by the way. Two triple doubles in 80s career. And I didn't know he, did, he had one against Utah because, uh, yeah, I didn't watch that game. I missed it. But, yeah, overall, solid win for the Lakers. Have a, um, but now we get into the Siakam trade. So today it was announced, big news, that Pascal Siakam was traded to the Indiana Pacers for Jordan Nuora, Bruce Brown, who just got to Indiana this past summer, and three first-round picks. So that means that the Toronto Raptors have three first-round picks in this draft. Their own, Indiana's. So their own should probably be with like, I want to say like 13 or 14, maybe 12. And then Indiana's pick will probably be like 17, 18. And then they have the worst pick out of like us, us as in the Clippers. Um, I think it was, I don't even remember the teams, honestly. If one of my mods can get that up, that would be very appreciated. But So that, that pick will probably be like 25 to 30. But anyway, let's talk about the trades from, first the Pacers side. So giving up three first-round picks for Pascal, who's on an expiring contract, big risk. You know, it could potentially be a rental. Not that many players stay in Indiana. But you have to think, with giving up three first-round picks, you know you needed to get Tyrese a star. You needed to get him a co-star to get a chance of winning a series this year. Now you have a real chance of winning a series, and Siakam is the clear number two option. Maybe number one option scoring-wise, but I doubt it. However... He's going to be getting a lot of shots this season with Darko Ryakovich. He's been taken out of you know that number one option role. They've completely gone to Scotty Barnes and they've made him like an off-ball player. It's been very weird and they've totally taken the power away from him. But now you would think that the Pacers had a conversation with Pascal that he was gonna that they were gonna trust him to re-sign. Thank you to my mod here. Bones got busy. He says. That the 2024 picks that Toronto receives include Indiana's own, as well as the worst of Utah, Houston's, Oklahoma City's, and the Clippers. When you mean the worst, I'm assuming that means the lowest pick. So that'll probably be, hopefully it's our pick, because we'll be a top three seed or the number one seed. But the Thunder or the Clippers is going to be one of those. So all those teams, by the way, are contending for at least a playoff or play-in spot. But yeah, so... Indiana losing Bruce Brown, that's definitely a loss, but you're getting Siakam for Bruce Brown. That's huge. So now you have a starting lineup of Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Heald, Pascal Siakam, Miles Turner, and Benedict Matherin or Aaron Neesmith, one of those two. I mean, that's pretty damn good. You got TJ McConnell off the bench. It's a decent team. It's a team now that has a chance of winning a playoff series, and I don't think they did before this trade. I think Pascal's going to re-sign. I think that even though it's Indiana, 
He's going to get a lot of money because now they have his bird rights. So they're going to pay him a lot. Is he going to get a max contract? I mean, he's in the middle of his prime. I'd say he's going to be in the twilight of his prime within a, two years. So you're going to get maybe this year and then two more really solid years out of him. Then you're going to start declining, and I don't think he'll be like an all-star anymore. But he's a very good player still. He's going to get a lot of money, so they can pair him with Tyrese. And then ideally, I think they're going to try to bring in one other person, one other star kind of player because... I don't know. Tyrese, he's not in his prime yet at all. At all. But the way things go nowadays, you, you know, you want to try to get him as much help as you can in a small market like that. But, yeah, I think the Pacers are now a real threat to win a series. I wonder if they're better than the Magic now. It'll be interesting to see. I'll probably watch their first game with Siakam and then talk about it on the next live. But let's talk about Toronto's side of things. So if I'm the Pacers, you know what? Yeah, you gave up some first-round picks, but honestly, fuck it. It's worth it. I think it'll, it'll, it'll be fine. And I think this will help their defense, too. But they are losing Bruce Brown. So I don't, I don't think they'll be a good defensive team by any means now. But it may help. And yeah, they still have Obi Toppin. Oh, they could start Obi. They could, could go really big and start Obi, Miles, Pascal, Buddy, Tyrese. They have Andrew Nemhart coming off the bench from Gonzaga. Yeah. As far as the Raptors... I think, you got a, I think you got a solid haul. Bruce Brown will be a serviceable role player. I feel very bad for Bruce Brown that he had to move so quickly. Just got to Indiana. He's still going to have that same contract. I think he'll help Toronto for sure. I wonder if he'll start. Right now they have... By the way, RJ Barrett's been playing so well. And quickly too. Quickly, RJ... That trade's looking great on both sides. Quickly, RJ, Scotty B. And then they start Jakob. They could start Bruce Brown now. Yeah, they started Siakam before. They should start Bruce Brown now. But we'll see what they do. And yeah. Anyway, as far as Toronto, getting three first-round picks, that's pretty, that's pretty good. You'll take that all day long. So this year, they're going to have three first-rounders. But as I said, they're not going to be within the first, top 10, I don't think. But hey, maybe they can package that and bring in someone. It's always good to have picks. So I think it's, this trade is going to be a win-win for both sides. I think as far as Pascal Siakam, um, it's interesting because it, it was weird. The ascendance of Scotty Barnes kind of pushed him out. And they were really prioritizing that. And it was weird that they just felt like they couldn't, you know, play them together. But, yeah. I wonder, yeah, I wonder if Bruce Brown will be rerouted. I see one of the comments about that. I wonder if Bruce Brown will be rerouted to another team at the deadline because he wants to play on a team that has a chance to win. I mean, he's a great role player, but a player like that should be on championship-level teams, not teams that are fighting to make the plan. But it'll be interesting, interesting to watch. You know what? I'm not, like, going to watch Toronto's first game with Bruce Brown like it's an event. But Siakam on Indiana, that'll be something to watch. So I'll have my eye on the Pacers for sure going forward. I think the Raptors made out pretty well with this, though, to get three first-rounders. Obviously, two of them this year. But, yeah. I'm trying to think about anything else. But yeah, I was going to say, the ascendance of Scotty Barnes really pushed Siakam out. And it was interesting. They just know that their timeline to win a championship isn't right now. And Siakam's in his prime. So he's only, I felt like, I guess they felt like he was stunting the development more than he was helping. So you got your picks. Now you have Scotty Barnes. No leash, no nothing. Just going. It's not like he had a leash before, but now it's not even a conversation about it. And I'll tell you what, Pascal Siakam, for me, a top five Raptor. Ever. I mean, second best player in the finals, top three player 
2A, 2B with Lowry on that championship team. He was the best player on a playoff team for the Raptors in 2022. Almost made the playoffs in 2023 with him as the best player for sure. Just several all-star years, all-star caliber years. Last year, 2022. 2021 was a weird one. He wasn't that great that year, but 2020, he was awesome. They were the second seed. One of the best pay, uh, Raptors of all time, and he should absolutely get his number 43 retired. They weren't going to pay him, so he, he's got his move. Indiana with Pascal and Tyrese going forward. Let's see how it shakes out. But that's it for me in this episode, guys. Let me know what you thought of it. Now to the live subscribers waiting patiently in the chat. Super Chats are turned on if you want to drop a dollar or a dime. Peace.